All right. Hey, my friends, thanks so much for joining me. Welcome to this episode of Real Live Talk. I'm really pumped that you guys are here to check out this episode and to just be a part of today's conversation. Really, really appreciate you guys. I hope that the that the content of this episode blesses you or challenges you or makes you think. And if it does, if you'd consider subscribing, sharing or leaving a review, that would be absolutely amazing. And again, just really, really appreciate you guys so much. And I uh, hope you'll join me in welcoming today's guest. So joining me for this episode is uh, Rich. Richard C. Howard. So uh, Richard or Ricky is a retired lieutenant colonel of the United States Air Force, as well as a leading authority on U.S. federal government contracts. He's the president of Richard C. Howard and Associates and founder of DOD Contract Academy, which guides, trains and mentors small business owners and sales executives through the defense sales process. Ricky is the host of the Government Sales Momentum podcast and speaks extensively on the nuance of federal contracting strategy. Ricky also loves the Lord, and um, we connected just a little while back, and he came across uh, this podcast and reached out to me on social media, and uh, we connected, and I'm just pumped to be able to uh, welcome Ricky Howard to the podcast today. So, uh, Ricky, how you doing, sir? Thanks so much for being here. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, I'm pumped. I'm excited. This is one of these, this is a conversation that I'm, uh, well, a world that I know nothing about. Nah. <laughs> and I'm just really, really excited. I think I told you when we talked that I'm, uh, I was uh, just really fascinated to learn a little bit about what you do and stuff like that. So uh, first of all, thank you for your service. And um, how, how long have you been retired from the Air Force? I've been retired for about what god is it three years now so end of 2019 september 2019 so 2021 22 so just a little over three years now so yeah okay. just getting used to being a civilian again and by the way thanks for having me on you know when we uh originally spoke i didn't uh, i didn't have any plans on uh you know the, the podcast is really nice to, to have me on here and, and being able to have a conversation with you and you know hopefully get a good message out there to everyone yeah, no, it's really, really cool. Re really cool of you to reach out to me. I love that so much. It's like my favorite thing about doing this is uh, just having the opportunity to connect with with new people and and to connect with uh, somebody like yourself, who, again, like, um, you know, we probably wouldn't normally run in the same circles yeah. and I probably wouldn't normally have the opportunity to connect with you. So I really, really appreciate that. And uh, and I uh, and I'm just I'm excited to kind of get into your world a little bit and pick your brain a little bit. And I, I think that there's going to be just a lot of value here. Sure. So, um, yeah. So first of all, um, what, what, uh, tell me about your background a little bit, like in the, in the U S air force and kind of what, what you did, how many classified missions have, I'm just, joking. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> just joking. Too many, uh, too many. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't mind uh, getting into that at all. So, um, um, and it actually kind of ties into uh, faith too a little bit because uh, I know um, remember my family and I in college went on a, uh, a pilgrimage I guess you could call it you know we did a, a few of those kind of growing up so mm. remember I remember being younger and you know a lot of kids would go to Disney World and I'm like God oh, we have to go to Disney World or to the Vatican or you know or and I didn't realize how how privileged I actually was I was actually being a brat but um, mm. so that actually it was it was great. Uh, you know, a great foundation to my faith. And then um, my last year in college, I want to say maybe second to last year, my, uh, we went again, my, I have a little sister 
And, uh, you know, we went on a, a pilgrimage and kind of prayed for like what our future was going to be, you know, us. Mm. And um, when I came back, I had an acceptance to the officer training school in the Air Force and uh, very much uh, felt that that was the path I was supposed to be on. So, um, yeah, joined the Air Force after graduating from college in 99 and went through uh, flight training school. Um, I was a navigator, so I went to I was chosen to be a navigator um, when I applied. So. Went to Navigator Training School after OTS in uh, San Antonio, Texas, and spent, you know, the consolidated version is I spent the first 12 to 13 years flying intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance aircraft. Mm. And, you know, I got checked out right after 9-11. So it was, uh, you know, I got my wow. wings, went to my uh, my mission aircraft, 9-11 happened, and then I was just, I was gone. You know, I tell people like that first <laughs> That first decade uh, of, of this century, I, I felt like I, you know, was living kind of that Metallica song, you know, wherever I may roam and just kind of wow. you know, uh, living in different places, flying missions. And um, then I, you know, about halfway through, I met my wife, Amanda, and because of a health issue my son had, uh, we ended up having to come to Boston um, so he could be treated. And I switched into acquisitions, which is the profession of putting companies on contract for the government, uh, which kind of led to what I'm doing now, uh, post Air Force career. So yeah, basically flew the fir first half of my career, acquisitions the second half, and now I'm uh, I'm here in Boston, you know, where I grew up and uh, everyone's healthy and happy. So, Wow, man. That's so cool. So, uh, so you are not, where are you from originally? I'm from uh, just north of Boston. So I'm from a, a suburb of Boston, I guess you could say, about 30 minutes north. Okay. So you grew up in that... Uh in in the new in new england so i i, I was just curious because when you said you moved to boston i was like well i hear the accent so did you pick ah. it up <laughs> like after you got there or yeah so no well i left i actually you know i didn't really think i'd end up back here but um i left i left the boston area in 99 uh, when i joined the air force and lived all over the place and um uh, you know you never you never know what's going to happen in this life right and um yeah it's it's not i was gonna say it's funny it's not funny but when my um, my one year old son had uh, a very rare form of cancer called Langerhans cell histiocytosis, and mm. you know, so this is a little more than halfway through my career, and my wife and I, you know, we were, had only been married for two years at this point. Um, he was maybe three years. We might have been on three years because he had just turned one, and we found out he had this LCH, wow. this Langerhans cell wow. histiocytosis. Um, yeah, we were living in Alabama and I, you know, I bring this up cause it kind of talks about how I got back to Boston, but remember we were at the children's hospital in Alabama, which was great. You know, the doctors were there were, were great. They, mm -hmm. you know, took good care of us, but it was a nightmare for us as any, you know, family member that has had to yeah. go through something, any parent that had to go through something like this. But every, the first thing the doctor said to me every day was, Hey, we just got off the phone with Dana Faber in Boston, or Boston Children's Hospital. They work together. Mm -hmm. And this is what they said to do, you know. Um, and they've, they said it like, by the time we got to the third day and that was the the message, I'm like, all right, there's no question in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I don't yeah. want, you know, my son, I want my son to be treated by someone that has, is the expert in this, not someone that's kind of seen yeah. it for the first time. So. Wow. Um, yeah, the Air Force was great. Um, and they, cause to change careers is not something easily done in the military and they mm -hmm. got us up here and, um, yeah, he was, he was, he's been cancer free for, uh, years now. So we're, uh, all very, very happy and blessed. Wow. Praise God. 
Oh man, it's so cool that you had the opportunity to be able to do that and and the foresight too to see that at the time the situation and to just like all right, Air Force, <laughs> we yeah. got to make this happen. And it's just very very cool that they were so accommodating with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, I mean, I don't know how much foresight I had. I was getting slapped across the face with what we needed mm. to do. And uh, but your everything worked out. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. I think. And, yeah. um, you know, and here we are. So, um, you know, so wow. all the stronger for it. And how old is your son? Uh, he is 10 now. Wow. Come on. Yep. I know it. It's awesome. Yeah, I have an 11 year old. So, okay. Yep. 11, seven, and then a brand new, brand new baby girl. Oh, wow. Well, you That's are a busy crazy. man. You are yeah. a busy man. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah. Little I have bit. an 11 year old. I don't know if you can see it from there, but I have lots of gray hair. Um, well, you know, at least Most you have here. You, I see a full, I, I see a full head of hair. I, you'll see that I have no hair. <laughs> and, uh, that's my, that's my theory. My theory is that it's one or the other. It's either you, either you go bald or you go gray. I feel like that's, I'll take gray. you're going to get, you're going to get one or the other. <laughs> you take the I, gray. <laughs> I hear you, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to get it no matter what. Right. So, yeah. At what, at what age did you start to, uh, to, to, to lose your hair? Oh, I mean, immediately. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I feel like immediately, but it was, uh, you know, towards the end of college, like I knew something was happening and then, but I remember already. Yeah. Yeah. When I got into officer training school and they kind of shave your head for the first time, then it was, that's when I knew. Cause as it started not growing back <laughs> the way that, uh, uh yeah. I would have thought it would, but, um, that's okay. I mean, and actually, I mean, cause it, it went fast and it runs on my mother's side, but I just started shaving it and I just happened to be in a profession where yeah. that is um, acceptable and totally know, acceptable. Yeah. yeah. And Prefer I never looked back. Yeah. I, I thought I looked better shaving my, <laughs> I didn't yeah. have great. No, you, look, you, you look good, man. You look, you look good. I, I've always wanted to try it, but I'm so terrified because I feel like I'm, I would just can't do it. I feel like I just could not pull it off. I would, uh, you, you have a move coming up, don't you soon? So, I mean, maybe you shave it before the move just to, uh, and then, you know, hey, no one nobody, will know me Yeah, Nobody knows you. Nobody knows it's any different. So that's, that's the time to do it. You might be onto something. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should, maybe that should be my business, like advising, uh, you yeah. know, guys on, you know, shaving their head, but you know, male pattern baldness. What's the, <laughs> just add that, add that for. in there. Yeah, add that into maybe maybe there's government contract there consulting on uh, male pattern baldness for the <laughs> Duke. I found government contracts for like just about everything, everything. that you can think of, and but I've never searched for that. So I'm gonna uh, that might be my next my next play. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about that for a minute. So if if we could um, talk a little bit about um, what you do and what this actually means, where you you know help people, you you. Um, you, you mentor people through the process of acquiring government contracts and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Talk a little bit about how you got into it, but also like what I'm curious about is mm -hmm. um, kind of the spectrum, like what you just mentioned, kind of the spectrum of products and services that you've, you've either sold or you've helped people sell, or you've seen, you know, sold to the U S government, because I'm wondering if there's like, and I would imagine that it's probably the case that there's probably lots of people out there that own small businesses that could be, uh, doing this, that they, they could be procuring some kind of a government contract, um, but don't even have any idea that yeah. they have something that the government would even be interested in. So yeah, I'm super curious. Yeah. I mean, and if I have any mission, you know, in along this line, it is to get that, that word out because mm -hmm. I can almost guarantee any small business owner listening to this, 
that the government buys what they sell in one form or fashion. Um, Now it's just, it's just how much of it do they buy and how do you sell it to them? And those are the, you know, things that we could talk about, but um, really, I mean, I got into it, you know, when I switched into acquisitions, you know, when I came up to uh, Boston, that's where I started, you know, I was probably a major at that point. So I immediately had a team underneath me and I was putting companies on contract, solving a variety of uh, problems for the government. And, you know, one of the areas that I, I guess um, you could say I focused in was finding innovative solutions for government problem sets. And because of that, I was talking with companies every single day and seeing what they had, if it was a good Mm. fit. And, you know, small businesses often have the most innovative solutions um, and are, are, you know, are great to work with as a government acquirer because they can pivot really fast. They're usually really motivated to work with us. Um, mm. versus not that there's anything wrong with a big company, but you know, the bigger the company, the more bureaucracy, the longer it takes to do anything. And, you know, especially with military acquisitions, you know, we need something now, you know, it's not a, mm. it's not a jobs program. It's a, you know, a lot of times a warfighter needs something, even if it's just clothes or food, right. It's usually not something we want to spend two years, um, in an acquisitions process to, especially if it's a small change or a pivot. Um, but I became aware that, despite my desire to work with small businesses, most of them either weren't aware of the government acquisitions process or that there was an opportunity there, or for those that are actually involved with it, were kind of frustrated with the process. They didn't really understand Mm. it because it is so much different than selling commercially or selling uh, B2B um, that, you know, I I knew there was an area there where I could help. And um, that's what I wanted to pivot to um, weaving the air force. So I, I guess, you know, taking a step back, if you just want to um, take a look at a couple of, um, and I didn't, I didn't write the numbers down here, but um, just a couple facts as you think about government acquisitions, right? So the U.S. government is the single biggest purchaser of goods and services in the world, okay? And they are required to, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And, and they're required to buy from small businesses. So typically they have a 23% target Uh, for small business prime contracts, right? Which means that, um, you know, of the, um, God, it's, I want to say it was over $500 billion um, in 2021 spent, but it was around $150 billion spent on small business contracts. Now, uh, more than half of that was just Department of Defense, U.S. military purchases. So if you think about that, if you think about those numbers um, and the fact that small businesses, the government has to buy from small businesses, and then you look at the amount of small businesses actually selling to the government. I mean, it is minuscule. It is minuscule. It's mm-hmm. less than less than half of 1% of all small businesses in the U.S. are even trying to sell to the government. So when you start taking, really? yeah, if you take the amount of money spent and start, you know, just trying to figure out an average of what each of those come, because I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's no real average. It runs the gambit, right? But um, yeah, it, the bottom line is there's a huge opportunity for small businesses to sell to the government. And also, I would say, you know, don't think of when you think of the, what the government buys or what the military buys, don't think weapons. You know what I mean? Cause yeah, because it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, exactly. that's what most people I would imagine think of. That's what I thought of when I first uh, saw your, you know, your your thing pop up. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And then but but kind of getting into it, I'm like, oh, like this is way more like practical for most people that own a business than than what they would realize. So. So, yeah, let's, let's go through it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I would think first, just thinking about the military and, and why the opportunity is there, right? Uh, first and foremost, the military is about people and because it's, it's people that defend this country and those people live on military bases 
And you know, it's a lot of, uh, if you're not familiar with a military base, military base is a small town. In some cases, it's a small city, yeah, depending yeah. on yeah where you are. Um, I think you froze there for a second. So each of those- Oh, my fault. Nope, nope. So it's like, I think it's probably my internet's fault, if anything. But you know, each one of those military bases that is a small head, they have uh, military families, they have residential housing, they have office buildings, they have golf courses and movie theaters and malls and restaurants. And so like all the infrastructure and hospitals and police departments and fire departments, airports sometimes. So all the infrastructure that goes into that needs to be purchased. Um, all of the, and, and by the way, also it's not always or a lot of times the military per personnel on these bases is actually the in a lower percentage than the government civilians and the government contractors right and um what the government is purchasing in addition to like you know all the stuff i just mentioned to include entertainment um they're purchasing legal services and accounting services and even you know wow. real, from real estate agents leases for office spaces and uh, cities, you know, um, they are, they buy, you know, yoga and Tai Chi instruction from people mm -hmm. at the military bases. Um, you know, we were going over, someone challenged me with, Hey, you know, some of our, our clients are, you know, social media advertisers. And so we went and found mm -hmm. a bunch of contracts that, you know, that the government had already awarded for things like Facebook live management. <laughs> I mean, just it, it, the list goes wow. on. Like, Almost anything that you can think of, uh, construction services, residential remodeling, landscaping, I mean, million dollar landscaping contracts for, um, and I, I don't want to make it sound like this is free for the taking and, and <laughs> yeah. right? because outlining sure. those contracts is a process. But the point is almost anything that, you know, a small business would be doing is probably being purchased in some way by the government. So what I do is I take people through the process of how you sell that because you know the government can't buy something like me and you, right? Like we can go to an auto dealership because our buddy owns it and we can buy the car that mm -hmm. we want, whether it's practical or impractical, right? Um, the government can't do that. So there's a lot of rules and stipulations involved and you just need to be able mm -hmm. to navigate that. Now, that's really interesting. What, what's really, what's, uh, what's interesting to me, what's kind of sticking out there is the some of like the services and like consulting services and things like that, that, um, you know, you wouldn't really think about like the social media, um, uh, you know, management and things like that, like things like that, that, you know, a lot of people are into these days, especially people that are, you know, kind of, it's, it's been like, there's been a lot of these kind of online, you know, and coaching industries and things like that, that, you know, a lot of folks have gotten into over the past, you know, several years, um, and everything and, you know, work a lot of businesses out of their homes and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, is are so um, what are like some, yeah, I think you already mentioned a couple, but so like there's examples of things like that of, uh, you know, people that it's not even necessarily a physical product, but like some kind of a service or a teaching or a training or something like that, where there's situ there's circumstances like that, where the government would actually have you come in to do some kind of a, uh, instruction or something like that, like on the base for the people that live there? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, all kinds of training. In fact, some of my early clients were just providing training uh, to folks, uh, whether it was leadership training, they have different trainings on things like, you know, probably relevant to what is it, it's 2023 now, but, you know, on, um, you know, racial, um, racial equity and things of that nature. Uh, and okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there could be and there could be opportunities for for training that 
aren't even being asked for yet. And that's some of the nuance mm -hmm. of it, right? So, you know, when you had some of the, um, the police brutality uh, incidents that we saw over the past couple of years, um, I know there were companies that were just specializing in um, training security forces on, you know, hey, how can we, you know, when, when we're looking at a, a situation, make sure we're not doing anything that's inappropriate or unfairly targeting, um, you know, because of, you know, the color of your skin or your gender or something like that. So, I mean, really, wow. there's, there's, there's just a lot of <laughs> different approaches. And there's a lot of fun <laughs> stuff, too. There's a lot of fun training that you probably wouldn't uh, recommend art and things like that. So that's so cool. Well, like for you, what has been kind of like something that you could point to maybe a, key, a core value or a key element to your approach to, you know, <clears throat> businesses and working with people and yeah. stuff like that, that you think has contributed to, you know, just your success in this, in this field? Well, I mean, I think first and foremost, I, I don't try to BS anybody when it comes to yeah. the contracts, <laughs> you know, selling to the government's not easy. It's, you know, it's not, it's, it's a skill set that has to be learned and it usually takes time. Right. So the, I would say, you know, honesty is the first piece of it. Right. So, you know, mm. when I talk with a client, first thing is, Hey, so if we're honestly looking at the timeline, it usually takes a company anywhere from six to 18 months to get on contract with the government. Right. It can happen a lot faster. It can take longer than that, depending on the size of the contract who you're selling to. But, and there's certain things that you have to do just like with anything, if you want to start selling doing something consistently, I mean, same is true with something like real estate, right? If you're an agent, yeah. but you know, this is just a different, it's a different profession. It's a different way of uh, doing things. And, and the other thing is, you know, whether you talk about it being a core value or maybe just a kind of an honest look at things, one big difference between selling to the government and selling anywhere else is that the public sector has to make all of the information public, right? So mm. unlike if you're trying to sell to, you know, let's say you're a real estate agent, you want to sell to a town and you're like, Hey, well, I'm just going to knock on every door in the town and, you know, put my flyer out there or whatever. And, you know, maybe try to figure out, you know, who, who's a lead, who's not. And well, mm -hmm. with the government, I can see immediately, I, I can see exactly how much the government's spending. I can see who is actually doing the spending. I can see who my competitors are and I could literally recreate every single move they've made because all their contracts are public. I can see the offices they're working with and the, the product or solution that they're selling. So we don't have to guess. So typically when I work with a business, uh, first step is, hey, does the government buy what you sell, right? So that's mm -hmm. the first question. And even though like I started this off by saying, hey, the government you know, probably is buying what you sell, we want to make sure they're buying enough of it to really make it worthwhile, right? Because I'm not going right. to, like, yeah, because I'm not going to, you know, I don't want someone to spend a year <laughs> trying to do something and paying a bunch of consultants and freelancers if, if the you know reward for that isn't going to be there, um, yeah, and yeah. a good a good example would be uh, I was talking with someone the other day, and they were um, they did like piano lessons and piano training and maybe like live uh, you know piano playing. And although we did find contracts for that within the government, it was not enough to you know for not them it would sure. yeah for them it would be like hey you might win a government contract each year and you know that's a um, an additional stream of revenue for you, but it's not going to be a ten million dollar contract. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh man. And by the way, dude, that's chapel services just to put in the back of your mind. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was, trying to, I was thinking, I was sitting here thinking about like, what do like, what, what could I offer? <laughs> like, what do, ah. I do, what do I do that we, that we could, uh, you know, that would be helpful, you know? Um, yeah. so chapel services. Yeah. Well, one of my, one of my uh, past clients, she, um, uh, part of what she would provide. She provided a lot of different services. And one of them was 
you know, uh, whether it was uh, providing music at different chapel, um, you know, cause every base has a, a chapel that's going to provide different denominations of service. And usually there's going to be, um, you know, someone that, you know, is either, you know, a reverend or, um, you know, a Catholic priest or a rabbi, and then there's going to be different people that work within the, the church. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, so what does, what does your process look like for, um, you know, just kind of like getting to that place, maybe that kind of initial contact, I, I would imagine, do you do, um, do people schedule like a consult with you kind of a thing? And then you look at everything to try to determine like, is this worth pursuing? Is this worth going forward? And this is yeah. what it's going to. So how, how does that uh, process work out? And how can people kind of get in contact with you about that kind of stuff? Sure. So there's, um, there's a few ways and this has evolved over the years for me. Um, the first thing they do is usually they'll find my website, which is dodcontract.com. Um, and by the way, my, I changed the name of my podcast. It's probably the thing you're not supposed to do, but uh, I changed that a while back and I obviously need to update my LinkedIn and my everything, but all the information out there. Okay. But, so the name of the, the name of the podcast is DOD contract Academy. And, uh, if anyone oh, wants okay. to do it, and um DOD it, uh, contract academy very yeah. cool website dodcontract.com that's like yeah right there. no i that's mean awesome. hopefully that uh that that sends the message right yeah. um yeah we have a, a, a few things so i do have an online training uh program there that people can go into and that's just a monthly membership uh, we should be opening enrollment in a few weeks after uh, the recording of this so uh, should be able to get in there. And then at the, on the higher end, uh, typically I will meet with a potential client if they want us to build their roadmap for them. So that's where I walk them through the, Hey, this is, you know, kind of some of the things that we talked about first, does government buy what you sell? Who is buying what you sell? Right. So usually we, cause it's all about mm -hmm. being very focused. So instead of, you know, a lot of people get lost and Hey, there's thousands of pages of federal acquisitions regulations and, they might figure out how to register their business. And now all of a sudden they're, um, they're getting into this. This is, this is the number one reason companies fail to sell to the government is they go to a, a website. Sam.gov is where you register your business to sell to the government. That's also where solicitations come through for government work. So what new businesses to this will often do is they will find those solicitations, write a proposal, and then they lose, right? They don't, they don't win. And um, you, you might win a couple contracts that way, but usually you will not. Um, it's very, very low percentage um, because it's, it's hard to, um, all the information on this isn't in one place, but the, I guess if there's one takeaway is there's a huge phase of acquisitions that happens before that solicitation comes out called the market research phase. And that's where companies that are being successful are focusing. So when a company comes to me and I'm working directly with them, we pick two to three clients for them to focus on. Like it might be, hey, within the Air Force, we can see the exact offices. Like it might be Lifecycle Management Center at Hanscom Air Force Base, which is where I was, which is why I'm yeah, using that as an yeah, example. And yeah. it maybe say C3INN, HNJJ. That was an old branch I ran. So if it's that specific, right? And now we know, um, then we can start forecasting. We can find opportunities ahead of time so they can learn more about them. They can meet the people that are actually going to be putting them on contract. Um, we teach them how to influence um, solicitations so they can help the government write solicitations. Um, a lot of small businesses have set-asides like woman-owned small business 8A, and we teach them how to uh, find those opportunities and influence opportunities to become set-aside, right? So hmm. yeah. if there's like, yeah, so if there's like a woman-owned small business opportunity, that means you have to be a woman-owned small business registered and certified in order to put a bid on that. So, you know, you're eliminating, you know, 90 something percent of the competition if it's a woman owned small business set aside. 
Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So that's just an example. So that's what we're really doing. Yeah. So this is the step-by-step approach to how you're really going to win a contract with the government. And it, that really doesn't exist anywhere that I've seen. So it's pretty unique. I have a pretty unique background for this also. Um, and kind of the combination of that is why a lot of businesses choose to work with us. Wow. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Is there a lot of difference between like the different branches of government? Or are they all pretty much looking for similar <laughs> similar um, things? Or Well, no, there's, there's a lot of differences between the branches of government. <laughs> but I will say this, as far as, as far as how the government buys, if it's a federal agency, they're governed by and large by the federal acquisitions regulations. Okay. State and local, no, right? So if you're selling to the state, if you're selling to oh, gotcha. a municipality, I, we don't focus there. So that's not something that we do. Sometimes it can look similar. The process can look pretty similar, but it's not, they're not regulated in the same way. Um, now, when we start talking about the differences, I mean, sure, you know, the, the national labs are going to be buying different things than say, um, you know, the VA in a lot of cases, right? Just mm -hmm. depends on what they're working on. But, um, but the process is pretty similar. I mean, um, you know, the, all the information is available in the same place, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to find solicitations for the VA in the same exact place. I'm going to find it for Homeland Security and, you know, uh, Lawrence Livermore and, you know, you, you name the, uh, or the army or you name it, it's going to come out through there. Um, you know, influencing those opportunities, finding them ahead of time that works the same way. So we can look at acquisitions forecasts. We could look at, um, things like requests for information and sources sought, and there's some paid for tools, but there are some free websites that offer uh, some of this information. And if you're following the process, the way companies that are successful actually win these uh, contracts, then, you know, what you're going to be doing looks really similar, regardless of the agency. Mm, I got gotcha. you. Well, man, uh, t tell me the name of the podcast one more time, just so I make sure I. Yeah. Since I since nope. I totally. No, no, no. That's my, that's, that's my fault. I think you read something I had on LinkedIn. I just need to change it. But I did. I did. Yeah. But, um, DOD no, Contract Academy is that? That's right. DOD Contract Academy. So if they if they type that into you know Spotify or iTunes, it'll pop up. Well, I um, it doesn't sound like it now because I said it wrong. But I I was um, I've I've been listening to your podcast. And I, um, man, I, I really, I really think you are an excellent podcast host. I think you do a really, really great job of just bringing out the value that your guests are, are talking about. And, uh, I think you do a really, really good job as an interviewer. And I think that it's, uh, just, I mean, it's really, really cool. I, I love your approach here because, um, you know, you have a, you have a business obviously, and, or, uh, the, the way that you go about, you know, training and imparting your, your knowledge, to people to help them to procure government contracts and stuff like that. But what I what I love is that you're also out there doing this podcast and kind of putting the you know, just putting a lot of just knowledge out there so that other people can have it and grab hold of it and they can yeah. do something and run with it as well. I think it's really cool. One of the things that I've you know heard come up in um, in different podcast episodes, kind of like maybe a reoccurring theme that that mm -hmm. has come up at, or maybe it's just my mind's way of interpreting it. I don't know, but it seems like there's just a lot of um, talk around, you know, just the desire to serve. And I think that that's really, yeah. really cool. Just wanting to serve uh, people, wanting to serve the, the, the department of defense, wanting to serve the government. Um, and, you know, ultimately that helps our, it helps our troops and it helps our, our nation helps those that are serving this country. Um, and then also helping, you know, just by wanting to be there and to serve these small businesses and uh, business professionals and help people, you know, just 
have more business and grow as a as a company. Yeah. And so uh, I just wanted to point that out. I, I felt like that was something that um, that I've seen, you know, just kind of come up reoccurring is um, just in you and it comes out in what you do is that desire to uh, just want to serve people. Oh. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. You might give me more credit than I deserve, but uh, I mean, Man. I was gonna, I was gonna pick your brain on how to become a better podcast host, so we could get the, uh, <laughs> so we could work that out. Blind leading the bl- no, I'm just joking. But, uh, but I do. Uh, I, I no, think man. you make yeah. you make a good point. I mean, if anybody's interested in this, right, you could you could go listen to the podcast for free, and you can learn a lot because I really, you know, what I'm paying when people are paying me, they're either paying for kind of all of that information consolidated into courses that on that they can go through, or they're paying me to actually do some of that work for them and get my advice on different things, which is fine. But you don't have to do either of those. You know, you can you can go to the podcast and just listen to the episodes and get a really good sense of what it takes to sell to the government. I have, you know, like you mentioned, I bring guests on and I, I try to, you know, it's going on for about two years now, I guess, but, you know, I try to bring on a a more, or now I'm trying to bring on more small businesses that are successfully selling to the government. Um, But there's also subject matter experts that have been doing this a while, either business developers or, you know, other people that are in the field, because it's a really huge topic area to explore mm. so and then i'm i get on there and i just mouth off you know for a bunch of episodes yeah. too, like whatever i'm <laughs> whatever i'm doing but um yeah so yeah. it's interesting and i'm out there helping businesses do this so i'm getting to see kind of the hey this is how this is what i'm seeing on the selling side of things this is my experience as someone who actually put companies on contract for the government so hopefully it's it's value added to anyone that spends time listening to it yeah uh, no it's very very cool i love it um so Listen, um, we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, because I know ah. it's not something that that uh, we I didn't plan on doing this. But since you since you brought it up um, at the beginning, I mm-hmm. haven't been able to get it out of my mind. OK, um, so I'm curious about um, 9-11. I'm curious okay. about what that was like um, just from your perspective as somebody. Mm-hmm. So where were you stationed at at that time? I was at off at Air Force Base in Nebraska. In, so oh, in Nebraska. Okay. in nebraska yeah and what's interesting about that is uh i was i was going through training and the training pipeline was pretty backed up so you would go in some days we we had a status where you would go in you would see if you had anything going on that day um you know and you might be cut loose uh for the day or they tell you hey don't come in tomorrow because we've got you know these sorties or whatever so mm-hmm. that's kind of like the no the no man's land as you're going through training waiting to kind of get your um, your certification or whatever, and then you can start flying, um, you know, training sorties and then combat sorties later. Um, so I was in one of those weird places. So I was actually at home when 9-11 happened. Um, I was in my apartment and I remember my mom calling. She's like, hey, Ricky, turn the, the TV on. So, uh, you know, saw it happened on TV and just like everybody else, we were speculating as to what was really going on. Then I started getting calls from the base, right? Hey, the base is locked down. Don't come in today. Stay at home or stay like in the area. And um, we, I remember I met my buddy. We went out and we uh, grabbed something to eat. And we saw Air Force One flying in to land at off at the Air Force Base. Wow. And yeah, and so we're at this restaurant and on the news, literally like right after that, like, hey, nobody knows, you know, the president has taken off. They don't know where he is. Da, da, da. Yeah. And I mean, me and my buddy go, we know where he is. You see it off. And everyone kind of laughed, you know, because everyone was glued <laughs> to the TV, you know, back then it was just, that was all you'd watch for. And I mean, that went on for a while. Um, 
but then, you know, sure enough, you know, about 10 minutes later, like, hey, we now have word that, you know, the president's landed it off at Air Force Base in Nebraska and da da da. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was an interesting, interesting time. Obviously, um, you know, there are a lot of emotions for everybody surrounding that day. Wow, man. Yeah, because he was, um, he was he was in Florida, right? He was at a he, he, like when it happened, he was in like a school some, somewhere in the south. I think it, I think I think he was in Florida, um, something like that. So then they're just scrambling, right, to like to try to keep it keep it quiet, like not, yeah, not wanting yeah. people to know where he's going. So is he kind of going like I don't know? No, I, I, I don't know. I, I just know. I just know that he was at, for some part of that he was at uh, he was at Offutt Air Force Base later so on that flying, day. But... So they fly him over there, yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of, I, mean, I won't get into like the different things that the base has, um, you know, certainly the planes. I flew were at the base um, and there were some, there were some other, um, I don't want to say technologies, but um, there are some other organizations at that base that are good for, you know, command and control and whatnot, where the president, you know, they just felt like that was a good place, a good safe place yeah, for him to be. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, no, I know. So, it, so. <clears throat> so then, so you were still, you were still in the training phase. Yeah. So I had my, I had my wing. So I had gone through flight school and survival school and all of that, um, at the time. And so when nine 11 happened, I was still, I was getting, they call it what we'd call it as getting checked out. So I was getting checked out okay. on my aircraft. So essentially, even though I knew, you know, the fundamentals of flying, you know, at that point when you, when a, whether it's a pilot or a navigator or, you know, an air battle manager, when they go on to their weapon system, they now have to learn how to apply all that to the weapon system. So, I mean, that's basically, Hey, you'll be, you know, we'd go through a couple months of courses. Then we'd go, we'd have a certain amount of flights that we'd fly with an instructor and they'd walk us through, Hey, so this is how we do it on this aircraft. These are the tool, the systems that you've never seen before. That's how this, how Mm. this radar works. These are the, you know, the radios and the different thing, computers you're going to be using. And um, yeah, you go through that and then eventually you get, checked out and then it's on the road then uh, then you're you're either training or you're deploying somewhere and so do you feel like the trajectory of your career shifted because of 9-11 or do you feel like it was pretty much oh you know gonna go that way anyway do you um no there's no there's no doubt that that affected you know my career and and what was going on you know and i I could think about the normal battle rhythm of you know because every aircraft that you fly in the air force i'll stick to the air force right but it's probably applies to all the services you know whether you're i was in intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance right so you know they're flying their reconnaissance missions intelligence missions um you know regardless of what's happening um, and if you, and there's also, you know, mobility, right? So you could be flying C-17s and C-5s, moving stuff and people around the world, and they're going to have their yeah. missions. And then of course you have, um, you know, like different special operations um, units, which are going to be doing the types of missions that they fly, right? But when you have, when you have a, you're, when you're at war or you're, you know, flying these operations, like, um, you know, Iraqi freedom and, and things of that nature. Now you're focused on a certain area and everything's going to be centering around that, right? So we had a lot going on in Iraq and Afghanistan at that point. And, you know, there's still things going on in the rest of the world. So you still do those as as you can. But there's no question mm. that, you know, the world's focused was on the war on terror. And that's what we were, um, that's what we were supporting. So yeah, if that had not happened, I'm sure I would have been still flying, but I'm sure the ops tempo would have been a lot less, um, 
and uh, probably a fewer flight hours under my belt in country. <laughs> but, but no, that's just the way that's that's the way it worked. And, you know, I have I have no regrets. I mean, it was a really great career. And, you know, it, mm. you know we kind of figured it out as we went along. And just curious about, you know, from your from your perspective, kind of the mentality of going into that, just, you know, after something like that happens and, you know, this uh it's just unreal. I mean, it's just it's like the biggest event in in our lives, probably. Yeah. Um, this, you know, terrorist attack on American soil, which changed life as we know it, you know, as as a nation in in so many ways. Um, but, you know, you're you're like it's it's just interesting to me kind of being at the beginning, still kind of like in the beginning processes on the on the way kind of in the transitionary period, I guess. Uh, but, you know, kind of still in the beginning of your uh, you know, career of serving this country, just like yeah. what, what did that feel like, man? Just like the weight of that, like, what can you say just about the mentality of, of just being, you know, in your, in the position that you were in and then yeah. the unthinkable like that happens. Yeah. I mean, I would like to say that I approached that from a calm philosophical <laughs> place, you know, where it was well thought out, but, and, and look, there's a lot of criticism too out there on like how, the war on terror was executed and like what, what sure. was but I'll say this, no one really knew, like if, if you were around then nobody really knew um, what the answer was at that point, mm -hmm. we were trying to figure it out. We were trying to figure out um, why it happened, who had done it, where we could, you know, stamp out any chance of this happening again. Um, yeah. I was, I was angry uh, if I, if I was anything back then, you know, in all, and a lot of us were, um, I can remember the older guys too that were in the unit. You know, guys are probably younger than me now, which is, which is funny. But I remember like the guys that were, for instance, in their forties that were, um, you know, maybe in the twilight of their military careers, and they were raring to go, and they hadn't seen anything quite like what we were about to do. They're like, hey, you know, some of them were around during Desert Storm, but you know, they're like, hey, you know, you're this doesn't happen in everybody's career where you're going mm. to mobilize in the and the magnitude of what you're about to do is, is really, mm. um, and I don't think it resonated with me cause I just didn't un understand, you know, this was, especially after I started flying and started deploying, this is just how it was. But, you know, before that happened, it, it wasn't like that, you know, guys, the deployments I remember were, um, a lot shorter and to a lot better places, you know, or I guess you could say maybe more relaxing places where they were going. Um, but yeah, when you're, when you're at war and you're going to a dangerous part of the world to, um, conduct, to mission it everything changes so yeah it was it was <laughs> i don't want to make it sound it, it was good and bad you know it was it was hard to be deployed all the time but it was also you know some of the best friendships i have right now are what kind of forged in those long arduous deployments you know going around the world and, and we got to see some we got to see some in great parts of the world too while we were doing it mm, yeah it's unreal did you grow up with um, that desire? Like, did you, were you kind of a, like as a kid, were you interested in airplanes and like military stuff and like all that kind of stuff? Like, did you have the a proclivity toward, you know, did you know, like when you were even a kid growing up that you wanted to, you know, be in the military? Or is that something that just kind of came out of nowhere when you were in college or what? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's interesting. I, I didn't, uh, I, so I definitely was not like one of these kids that like knew like from go what I was going to do with my life. Right. Um, and I definitely, I wouldn't even say that I had a, uh, in, you know, 
a need to fly, you know, aircraft uh, of any sort. Outside of, you know, I remember when Top Gun came out, like a lot of us uh, back then, you know, we all kind of like, hey, I'm going to go Biggest be Biggest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go be a yeah. fighter pilot, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, I mean, I definitely, and I had the planes and stuff hanging on my walls, I can remember. So maybe in that sense, like I certainly, and my dad was in the Air Force. So, I mean, it was always a possibility. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, always a possibility. But, you know, I was not a... Um, a great student <laughs> going through high school. I was, I was, I was more of a rabble rouser and um, it, it took a while for me to, for everything to come together for me, but it did in college. Like I, I can remember very clearly, like all of a sudden I knew what I was going to do and, and that was it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And you, I think you alluded to this earlier. Did you grow up in a Christian home or at, at what point did you kind of get to know the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. I was raised Catholic. Um, it was extremely Catholic, uh, okay. extremely Catholic home. So, and you know, my dad was also very much a, um, I don't want to say he was a, I don't want to say a dreamer either, but he, he was, he has a very deep faith and, you know, um, in his, you know, see, he saw a few things in his air force career that really changed his outlook. I don't think it was always that strong, but you know, he had a, um, he always talks about a kind of a conversion experience that he had in his twenties, you know, after he got out of the air force during Vietnam and, you know, immediately met my mom, things kind of changed around for him and, you know, uh, led a good life. So that's always been kind of a, as young as I can remember, it was always, you know, Hey, church and, you know, belief. And, um, and then we would go on uh, pilgrimages, like I, I mentioned, and, you know, we went to a lot of uh, churches and, you know, in the, the Catholic faith, faith, there's a lot of, um, you know, apparitions of Mary and places and, and things of that nature where, um, you know, whatever denomination that you're from, uh, what I will say, whether you believe in that type of thing or not, I will say that a lot of the places we visited um, were very spiritual and had a profound impact on me. And, um, you know, kind of the evolution of things, you know, my wife's from Tennessee, she was raised Baptist, I was raised Catholic. Now we uh, go to a non-denominational um, Protestant church, but um, you know, I would say that you know, the way I was raised has a, had a very deep impact on, you know, how I believe and, you know, what I think we owe the Lord and, you know, I don't know if that answered yeah. your question or not, but yeah, no, very, very cool. Yeah. No, I was just curious if you kind of like grew up with it or if it was something that kind of came on, you know, a little bit later on. Um, yeah, no, no, I appreciate that. You answered it perfectly. Yeah. Um, well, let's see what time, what time are we at? I know we're kind of, um, getting, getting close to, uh, to where we've got to start wrapping this up, but, uh, mm -hmm. but Ricky, I really do, uh, appreciate you so much and I appreciate your time and I've, um, I'm just, I'm fascinated by this and I'm fascinated because, well, for a few different reasons, but, um, but you know, one of the things I just think that a lot of value, um, could be added, uh, to, you know, one of the, one of the things for me, you know, um, as a pastor in our, in our church, we have, <clears throat> excuse me, we have, um, we just have a heart for like entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship and, you know, helping people wanting, wanting to see people kind of advance and excel in the, in the things that they're passionate about and stuff like that. And it seems yeah. to me like this is an area that, you know, is untapped as you're saying for so many people that so many people like I like never, I never would have even thought about it. Um, yeah. You know, had I not uh, had the opportunity to connect with you. And so I just think it's really, really, um, really, really cool, really, really potentially powerful for, um, you know, some people that are going to be checking out um, this episode. And so I do just thank you for your time and thank you for all that you do. 
Yeah, no, well, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's, it's my pleasure to come on and also kind of get that message out to anyone thinking about it. You know, it's uh, again, not it's not the easy button, but, you know, selling to the government, especially the U.S. military is you are you're helping the nation. You're helping the men and women in uniform. It's not the movie War Dogs, if that's if that's what you saw. So, you know, just to kind of get that um, unfortunate movie out of people's minds. But right. Um, but oh, you can man. but you can win. You know, one thing about defense and government contracts is they are stable typically. And they're also typically lucrative if you get into the right contract. It takes work to get there, but it can be an additional source of revenue for your business. Or eventually it could be something you focus on solely. And a lot of businesses yeah. do very well there. Yeah. Um, would you mention uh, one more time your website and anywhere else that, uh, you know, if there's anywhere else that you'd like to point people that would be a you know good place for them to find out some more information? Yeah, no, you could uh, go to dodcontract.com and we have some free training on there uh, that can walk you through some of the initial steps. We, like I mentioned, we also have uh, courses and, you know, um, we do have enrollment periods and, and special offers that pop up here and there, but we have the podcast, which is the DOD Contract Academy, and also on the website, we usually have the scripts from those podcasts on there. You can read through that. There's a lot of great information there. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel, but I don't pay as much attention to it as I should. So, but you feel anyone can feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn um, if they just type in Richard Howard, uh, Lieutenant Colonel. I'm going to pop up, um, retired Lieutenant Colonel, not. Active, active duty lieutenant colonel mm -hmm. but that's that's in my title so that will separate me from the re rest of the richard howards out there um yeah so no either way whether you whether you, they listen to the podcast go to the site or you know just reach out to me on linkedin uh love to love to talk with them or at least uh, hopefully provide some value love it cool man well, uh, thank you, everybody, for uh, taking the time to check out this episode. Pray that it uh, blessed you or, uh, yeah, challenged you, encouraged you in some way. Uh, appreciate you guys very, very much for checking this out. Check out dodcontract.com if um, you have a small business or you offer some kind of a product or service or something like that that you feel like um, could be, yeah, maybe maybe tap into something an area of uh, or a sector of <laughs> the marketplace that you never uh, if you're anything like me that you never uh, thought about or even knew was available to you so uh, again really really i uh, think that that's really cool appreciate you guys uh, don't forget to, to subscribe or uh, leave a review or comment or something like that and uh ricky again thank you sir thanks dude appreciate it yeah my pleasure bless you my friend